Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Spamming Zero. This month's sponsor of the podcast is Gorgeous. If you're not familiar with Gorgeous, Gorgeous is a help desk, but it's specifically meant for e-commerce brands or DTC brands. I love, 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 love their mission. Listen to this. We believe that the next version of commerce should be more open and anyone should be able to be a part of it as a merchant or a customer. We believe decentralized commerce is better for everyone. Their core values, maximize your impact, customer first, strive for excellence, take extreme ownership, and 100% honest. I love what they do. Gorgeous is one of our favorites. They work with brands like Steve Madden, Olipop, and others. Too often, customer service gets a bad rap, and Gorgeous helps make sure that that gets a better rap. Here's a testimonial from a CEO and founder at Darn Good Yarn. Gorgeous gives us a holistic view of our customers. This way, we can provide them with fast and personalized help. Love it. Check them out. If you're not familiar with their website, it's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com. Check out Gorgeous. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spanning Zero. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Spamming Zero. We are joined by Alex Mead, who is a customer experience leader. He's been across many, many different industries and different companies. Super excited to have him here because he's somebody that I highly recommend you follow on LinkedIn, writes some amazing stuff, has a great point of view. And in my opinion, it's actually a point of view that a lot of customer experience professionals don't have. It's a unique one. And that's what I love about it. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. You missed out the word service, customer service experience. That, that's, <laughs> My, yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, why that's an important word for me. Yes, absolutely. So, Alex, one of the reasons why I, I mean, I've, I've been following you for a long time, but one of the things that kind of caught my eye about two weeks ago, you posted um, on LinkedIn. And one of the things that you posted was telling really the customer experience world and, and customer service world, hey, like, let's slow down with AI just for a second and all the chat GBT stuff, it's amazing and it's great, but why should we slow down? Like give kind of the rundown that you gave on your LinkedIn post. Okay. So, um, I actually looked back at, I think 11 years ago, I wrote about my Epic framework that basically says customers, uh, when they have a service question issue or need, and that can be any life cycle stage before you've bought something, you've bought it. You want to know when it's coming. You want to return it. You can't make it work, etc. Customers want easy, personalized, and then the next two letters, intuitive and contextual. And um, yeah, chatbots have, have forced customers into, it's easy to talk to a chatbot, of course. Mm-hmm. You can, in theory, get a personalized answer. But is it intuitive and contextual? Absolutely. It's getting worse because a chatbot won't, won't say, ah, Alex, I can understand your big picture situation. I can understand... Um, that flight you've just missed was one we booked for you to connect to another flight. So actually we better sort this out rather than just give you, make it impossible for you to talk to a human being. So, um, you know, easy, personalized, intuitive, contextual. And I think maybe five years ago, we were getting not, we weren't getting anywhere near my vision of that, but we were getting better. Uh, And then um, I think the chat bar, the the, the boom of um, Chuck Tech VOC surveys has just made people forget, okay, Easy does not mean we force the customer down a particular channel. We force them to talk to a chatbot first. Easy should mean they can choose their channel 
and we'll make it easy for them based on the context of the situation. So I, I think um, I may have written it two weeks ago. I may have written it two years ago. I think I first preached about it 12, 15 years ago. And we're getting further away from it, which is crazy with the amazing tech we have that we're getting further away from that. I love the simplicity of the Epic framework that you, that you just laid out. I think it's beautifully done. I would love for you to talk to the listeners a little bit about like, what are the foundational pieces that you think are missing? Like we're getting further away from this. So what are the areas that let's say brands are dropping? Like where, where do they need to pick those pieces up and fix? Yeah. I, I honestly, I think um, if I had to put the order easy, personalized, there's not an order. It's not easy, personalized, intuitive and contextual. All four are interlinked, but I think you could probably park intuitive and focus on contextual. Intuitive is, as soon as you reach out, we say, hey, you're probably reaching out because of X, Y, and Z. Well, let's park that. Let's start with the basics. So I, I think too many companies are using the amazing AI, using um, forcing people down channels without understanding, okay, what is it the customer wants or needs? So don't force them to use a chatbot, a call center, a messenger. First of all, hey, Mr. Ms., Mrs. Customer, how can we help you? And it should be as easy. There's too much effort put on the customer these days with all this amazing tech. It should be as easy as a customer saying, hey, airline X or retailer Z, where's that pair of shoes I ordered last week? That's all. Or, hey, that flight I've got booked. Can I get some options for one three hours later? That's how easy it should be for a customer. And then the context should say, okay, ah, that pair of shoes, we did tell you they were going to be delivered yesterday. Ah. And we've just realized and we're already uh, behind the curve on that. But you know what? When you told us you were ordering that pair of shoes, it was your father's 50th wedding anniversary golf shoes. Oh, my God. We really have dropped the ball. So before we talk to you about a self-service channel, we're now going to say, right, this is a customer with a high context. He's a loyal customer. And the situation is actually very important. So... Let's not say, well, our shipping can sometimes be four or five days late. Let's say, right, this is a golden moment. Someone now pick this up and do something special with it and phone Alex and say, right, okay, that pair of golf shoes, they're not going to be with you, Alex. That's the reality. Here's what we can do. Here's some money for a retailer near you, or we can get you another pair, very similar, in 24 hours. And, you know, that that's, that's obviously less than the 1% of most interactions. But you've got to start with whether it be that example or a simple, hey, my utility bill, can I change the billing date? Or, hey, can I add uh, an upgrade to my Netflix? Establish the context and then give the options. And I can't think of a single company where the first thing it says is, hey, what do you want, dude? They actually, um, they may play at it. They may give you icons. They may give you IBRs. But that's why I think ChatGPT, Bard, the amazing AI can be awesome. I should be able to say, hey, company, I'm stressed. And it's, okay, Alex, wow. We can see why you're stressed. We can see we told you it was in stock. It's out of stock. You, should, you shouldn't have to make the customer tell you what their issue is. And I think that will be in 10, 15 years when, we, when our kids are finally running the world. Well, they, my grandkids, please, God, not. I keep telling them, wait, wait, wait. Um, I, don't, I don't know, Alex. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that long. Um, I don't know exactly, but I, what what I do know is I said the exact same thing ten years ago. That's the only reason I'm saying because um, <laughs> I, I think um, the reality is the the world of um, Instagram and and you know WhatsApp and Twitter and Facebook. That's another thing that I think companies are are screwing up. Why are you spending five ten years to integrate Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp? Why don't you make your app 
your website or mobile, <laughs> the equivalent of that. So I can send you a why message. Don't you get, why don't you get what you already have working exactly. first? <laughs> I will start almost definitely. I will start on your website, your social media page or your app. And then I'll go to WhatsApp and say, you bloody losers. Why can't I do the equivalent of WhatsApp in your app? So let me message you by asynchronous messaging, by send you a video, send you my location, whatever. It's, um, and, um, you know, I'm, uh, when we, to answer your question, the basics, oh my Lord, um, we're still forcing people into call center queues before we even know what the hell their question is. And the airline industry, I think they just gave up, didn't they? Okay, you're going to have to sit in a queue for one hour. The agent will say, I really can't help you either, mate. Why don't you send an email to customer relations and you'll never get a reply. It's just some, some companies have just given up. It's sad because it is sad, yeah. we call, we call this at flip, um, sort of these golden moments, right? And these golden moments are when you as a brand have the almost undivided attention of a customer Absolutely, and you, yeah. and you screw it up, right? It's a golden moment because it's a moment that you can either turn into a positive or it can have a negative impact. And so that negative impact. Sorry. So I have my epic framework for customers, but for customer service employees, whether they be in a call center, a retail store, delivery driver, I have another four letters. They need time. The first T stands for time. Let me focus on this customer. If there's 50 in the queue, I, I, I need to focus because the customer will tell what I'm not. They need information. Oh, even even the okay. great Amazon. Even the great Amazon. Oh, well, uh, it's with our shipping company. I didn't order from UPS or DHL. I ordered from you. So you get the information. They need motivation. Why the hell should I care a damn? And they need empowerment. And the empowerment is, you know, the biggest thing I, I, I try and change so many things when I have my leadership roles. I'm not a consultant. I go into companies and lead the operation. And the first thing I do is chuck away metrics based on speed of answer answer rate I, took, I create metrics based on solving customer issues and honestly um it, it, never easy the executive board never want to back no alex we like the comfort of aht and slas if you do yeah. it a different way oh how will how will that affect things and I, I pilot it or i prove it but i love being able to say to a customer service agent contact center agent right you've just spoken to james okay tell him you're going to own it take the headset off if you need to go and walk to another department or you need to phone the delivery guy, you can do that and phone James back. And um, it, that's almost opposite to every customer service contact center these days, though, isn't it? They're all, oh, uh, well, true. I can't. It's resolution time. It's response oh, time. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. it's yeah. time in the queue. All that stuff. It, it is all about time. And I love the fact that you're using that as an acronym as well. But um, actually, I'm sorry to back to the start of that, though. Um, if you're giving customers the context. Hey, let me tell you what my question is. 95%, I think probably even higher, the 100%, they don't want to talk to a human being. So if it's you're true. making it easy for them to get the easy answers rather than forcing them into these cues and the more complicated or emotionally tough stuff you're letting the agents be empowered to solve, it's got to be a win, isn't it? On both sides of the fence. And, you know, I, I, um, I once had Deloitte, PwC, EY, all the Accenture look at the way I was doing things and they said, Oh my God, it actually is more cost effective to do it Alex's way as well, because customers don't phone so often. We resolve things. And by the way, your acquisition and retention go up. It's just, oh, it's so frustrating, this damn industry, the way it could be done. <laughs> you know, what's interesting too, though, 
Alex, and I'd love for you to unpack this a little bit because some of the foundational pieces of them having information, for example, as part of your acronym of time, mm -hmm. um, to get that information, a lot of times they need the infrastructure to have the information. And that yeah. infrastructure is oftentimes built on technology that sometimes the contact center itself doesn't necessarily own. It's it's done by a vendor, for example, yeah, like a absolutely. CRM. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that a lot of areas of customer experience fail right there. Um, it's yeah. them being able to have access to the information. And then your second part of your acronym or your last, your last letter, which was the empowerment piece yeah. that those two, in my opinion, go hand in hand because you can have great tech, but if you're not pushing that information on to people, um, whether they're being passed from department to department, that information needs to go with them because yeah. it helps empower the next agent to be able to do their job. And I can, I can tell you firsthand with my experiences, like there is nothing that drives me more wild than when I have to give my personal information more than once on the phone. I, I don't know a single person alive that does not get just absolutely mad about that. So actually, I mean, this is a, it's a great um, subtext to, to I'll, I'll read the question into that. So, you know, I, I, I sometimes post a few controversial comments about superficial thought leadership. I don't go into companies and put a poster up and say, hey, we need epic and time. I say, right, OK, my job as your CX leader is to get you the information. That's my job. So um, whether you're in an airline sector, logistics sector, financial services, I, I believe we should never not be able to answer the customer's question unless it is confidential or it's really complicated. And then we should be able to say to a customer, I don't have that right now. Leave it with me. I'll get back to you. And I, that, that's my, when I stand up in front of the sometimes thousands of people, okay, I'm your leader. Here's my vision. I want epic and time. They go in your dreams, mate. They, they never believe me. I say no. And you tell me all the questions you get asked by customers that you can't currently answer. And there was a great example. I worked for a company that delivered over half a million parcels a day. And there was two large contact centers, 50% of the calls, what time is my parcel coming? 40% of the calls, you said you tried to deliver. I was in all day, nobody came to my house. There were literally nine, hundreds of thousand plus calls, 50% when's it coming? And um, the 50% when's it coming, by the way, we fixed by proactively telling the customer when to expect their parcel. We were the first to do that in Europe. That was really cool. <laughs> God, it was tough to get 3,000 drivers to adhere to a route. It was a car crash. But the second part, your, you, your tracking information is wrong. You say you tried to deliver or you've left the parcel with a neighbor. These guys, these customers would phone the contact center and you would say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, what we'll do is we'll try again tomorrow. We'll try what, what? No, your tracking says you tried to deliver. I think you're lying. And the agents hated having, they knew the driver hadn't been. They couldn't categorically prove it. But they could phone the depot, who would then take 20 minutes to answer the contact center call, whilst the customer is on hold, believe it or not, and say, ah, yeah, he didn't actually go, but you can't tell the customer that. Tell them they did try, but there was a road traffic accident or something. Uh, BS them. So I realized, okay, it's not information. It's a culture. It's a, this is a nightmare. So two things I did is I virtualized everyone in a depot customer care team with the contact center team. There were one port, originally there were 500 people in depots and about 500 in contact center. Contact center guys, you're getting asked questions where you have to phone the depot to get the answer. It's crazy. 
let's virtualize you all. Well, we don't have a virtual telephony platform. Well, we got one. And secondly, they would say, well, our customers only like talking to local. Our business customers, they only want to talk to their local depot. Well, I think they'd talk to anyone that can answer their question if they can answer it faster than the 20-minute current speed of answer you're offering now. So again, my God, it was a nightmare. But we come back to the point. We, we changed the world where every customer service agent in a depot or a contact center had real-time access to the GPS position of that driver, their route, where they'd been, where they were going for the rest of the day. Uh, again, I have so many fights with the marketing guys in my roles. I said, this is such an opportunity. We can be known as the parcel delivery company you can trust. So if we've screwed up, we'll be honest about it. And I literally put contact lock, contact reasons on our website, on our app. Again, make it easy for a customer to contact us where a customer could click. Your tracking information is wrong. You say you tried to deliver, but nobody came. They could click that, believe it or not. And I'm like, oh, please, please work, please work. It was the most commonly clicked thing. But because I didn't just want to create noise, what we did is every one of those issues was linked to the consignment number to the driver. And we could see categorically, did they go to the address? And we were able to see 50 to 60% of the time, the driver had not been to the address. And we could tell you which driver, which depot. And suddenly everyone's like, oh, okay, Alex, all right, okay, all right. You may be right, but let's just slow down. And But the, the change in atmosphere and environment in the contact centers and the depots where they knew they would not be asked a question, if the driver had screwed up, they could say, um, yeah, I'm really sorry, our driver hasn't been to your address. But because that was still awkward conversation, what we made sure happen behind the scenes is every one of these 3,000 drivers knew that that was their strike. If you don't go to a customer's address without... We created a simple alert on your phone to say, I can't make it to this customer's address. Here's a reason. They're sometimes valid reason. They would get a warning. And if they had three warnings, they wouldn't get their bonus. So suddenly drivers are adhering to every route. And it was, but so information, as you said, is about empowerment as well. And, and it's not, it's not easy. And that's why, again, you know, superficial CX leadership. Yeah. You can journey map VOC. I, I love it. I agree. It's great, but just, it's not as simple as that. I wish it was. <laughs> I love it, Alex. You're dropping some real truth bombs on this episode. <laughs> you know what's interesting to me is um, when I read your article that you wrote about, uh, it was in 2022, it's along the same kind of framework. And one of the things that you you had mentioned was just this context-aware kind of thing. Um, and I want to unpack this for a second because it's it's fascinating that you bring this up. And this is why I say maybe we're not as far from this as we might think. I think there is an absolute obligation for vendors to listen to this next part. Yeah. And I'm talking about tech vendors. I'm talking about AI vendors. We have an obligation to the people that we are serving, the brands that we are serving Absolutely, to yeah. provide the right type of AI so that there is context and so that it can empower the agent. It is not always the business's job to figure that out. If you are bringing technology into an organization, you have to figure it out and you are responsible for doing it as well. And there's too many vendors out there that bring a little tiny piece of the pie. They throw it over the table to a brand and they're like, have at it. And then the brand has to figure it out and they have to spend millions of dollars on engineering and coding and they can't figure it out. And then we're left with bad experiences. So take some damn ownership vendors and figure this out for the brands that you're trying to help. James, this is the first time we've spoken. You're literally touching all my sweet spots here. So let me, 
another thing that um, customer success is an area that I've crossed. And first of all, anyone who says, hey, CS, I say, don't you dare abbreviate customer success as CS. That's customer service. Always has been, always will be. <laughs> Call yourself customer success. But as you said, I, I, it's not just the small vendors, even the big Salesforce, Microsoft, Oracle's, Pegasus, I've worked with every one of them and they will sell me their sales cloud, the service cloud, the marketing cloud, the experience cloud. And, and um, but back specifically on, on uh, we actually had a, a live AI project last year where we had a website knowledge management from one CRM vendor, a chatbot from another, and the agents were using a different service desk uh, console. I was like, oh my God, you know, and that was not linked to the ERP, the back office platforms. So I gave all four vendors my problem statement. Not one of them was able to say, okay, here's, um, here's the big picture and how we can help you with that. And uh, I chucked them all a curveball because I, I said, yeah, I also want to integrate voice. So um, we're going to talk to a, a voice vendor. So make sure you consider that. And it was like, I'm talking to, I don't want to be detrimental, you know, but they were, <laughs> okay, my platform can do this. Uh, I don't care. I, I can't, you're asking me a question. I cannot compute the answer. And that's what, what I've never worked as a customer success leader, but I've worked with CRM vendors, BPO, and I always have to give them the answer. And it's so frustrating. What I need you guys to do. Okay. So a specific answer, if you're an AI vendor, so what we need to do is, yeah, first of all, make it easier for us to understand what the customer wants. So natural language, surely you can help us with that. You must have great algorithms and natural learning, machine learning. Okay. So that's the first part. The second part, when you've established, when helped us establish what they want, we want to think how your AI engine can link to our CRM platform, our ERP system, our POS, our GDS, to give us some context. Ah, we've just, AI has said this is an angry customer. Well, they may be angry. The angry customers should not get preferential tre treatment over those that are calm. But actually, we can see they're an angry customer who we've just downgraded their flight, lost their bags, and they're stuck at an airport in Helsinki and... Uh, they're, they're quite rightly furious. And by the way, it's a first class flight. So AI guy, don't just take, hey, it's an angry customer. Think about all of that. And then I want you to help us think about what we can do in that situation. So there's a thing called next best action. I'm sure you've heard of it where an agent desktop, the AI can say, hey, right, this is a customer. Here's the context of the situation. Here's their last four bits of feedback. Remember that stuff, feedback that we spoke about so amazingly two years ago, yeah. The last three bits of feedback were amazing. The last flight, they told us the feedback. This is our last chance to get something right. So agent, when you're talking to James, bear all this in mind. So AI machine learning company, help me with that. <laughs> and actually what I want you to do is also, if the customer phones us, I want you to turn the voice to text in real time and turn that into an next best action. And there's tech for all these things. So I, I, I literally remember gave a speech on it. It wasn't airline. It was just a, a similar to that. And they were looking at me like, wow, that's amazing, Alex. What a vision. Okay, how, oh, leave it with us. They never came back to me with anything substantive. So we had to do what you say, cobble things together. And it, you're right. It's um, a great customer success leader. Should, should be allying with other partners as well or saying, okay, I understand yep. your big picture IT estate. This is how we can fit into that. And by the way, what you're asking for you can't deliver with your IT estate, even if we add in our solutions. So you're going to have to, we can help you with other partners. We can help you fix your problem. And they don't fix problems. They sell licenses too much. Not all of them. There's some great people, of course. This is exactly why at Flip, we decided to focus on our partner ecosystem right here. Because if we're going to go in 
to a brand and they're going to use our product for voice. We want to make sure that it helps empower every other channel that they're working in. Yeah. And you can't do that if you're just going into that brand with the singular vision of what our product can sell for. Absolutely. So it's, it's actually this big added value, by the way, if you want some, some real like truth to this from a vendor's perspective, it's big added value for our customers. Like, yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons why they love working with us is because we do have this, you know, 80 plus integrations across like many different vendors that are specifically meant for like e-commerce, right? So yep. like these brands have very unique technologies that have to be leveraged. Like your help desks are sometimes different. Um, your CRMs are sometimes different. Mm -hmm. Your BPOs, all those things, even the phone system. And Absolutely. you have to consider all those things when it comes to voice. And it's funny that we bring up this context aware stuff because <laughs> um, not to plug flip here, but like literally two months ago, right December timeline, we, we, we released a new part of our product, which is liter literally word for word called context aware conversations. Oh, like <laughs> there you go. And this and is exactly what we've been talking about. You're not paying me. I'm not paying you. So that is, that is true. Yeah. That but is you know totally what? a coincidence. <laughs> no, well, it's also an encouraging coincidence. Hopefully we're both on the right lines. We're either fools never differ or great minds think alike. It would be one of the two. You never know. But yes. um, the point you just raised as, as a someone more, I've been on, on your side of the fence, vendor BPO side, but 90% of my career, I'm the client side. What I, I, I always go in and within three months, I have my epic and my time. It's not something I put, it's, it's relevant for each customer. It can, it looks very differently. Epic means this in this customer, this organization, it means that and that. And then you have to take by customer type, customer situation, customer persona. But I, that's my vision. And then when I get the vendors in, I, tell me how you can meet that vision. It's like I'm talking Chinese to a Japanese person. Like, please, you may get one. Please just focus on how you can. What I always respect is absolute honesty and transparency, you know, from any vendor. And, okay, Alex, um, we can help you with that part of it. The other stuff, do you know what? I've got some great partners, as you said. Um, and that's, again, some companies will have lame partners that they say are great partners. Don't BS me. I'll know straight away. Okay, if you want to say this is our sweet spot, okay, okay, okay. Now, can you help me figure out the other parts? If you can, great. If you can't, that's okay, because I've still got my part of the jigsaw. I like you guys for that. So the, the amount of BS, you know, uh, and um, whether it be Zendesk, Freshworks, uh, all, all the big boys, they've got so many partners and some, um, okay, if you're going to recommend a partner, make sure it's one that actually will meet my vision. And oh yeah, well we've, uh, we've got a great voice into integration partner, but it can't do screen pop CT. What the hell? Why are you wasting my time? You know, it's uh, and they even set you up a call with the CEO of the company. Like, oh god, and just be transparent and honest. But the the thing that um, great companies, I'm sure, like yourself, is you should have network of experts throughout the world, shouldn't you? People, okay. And I love, I love actually. Um, too many people show me where you've done it before, or well, some of some of my ideas are new. Okay, I don't care. We've done, how, show me how we can go about this and you know i get i get the nuts and bolts and i love creating things that haven't yet been created and there's so many dumb things we can create still that I, you know that's what excites me <laughs> i love it it's it's so interesting because there's there are some true foundational pieces that i know we haven't necessarily totally unpacked one by one but one of the things that i also think is 
is oftentimes missing when it comes to the customer experiences is, you know, there we we tend to think and we get this tunnel vision of our brands. Um, and I'm I'm putting myself in the shoes of a lot of companies out there that are trying to tackle customer experience and customer service. And one of the things that I think too many brands do and too many people do is they get this tunnel vision of, okay, my business is so unique to anyone else <laughs> that I have to yeah. customize every little thing, right? And here's what I'll tell you. In the short time that I've been here at Flip, one of the things that we do is we serve the e-commerce industry. And a lot of these brands will come to us and they'll be like, hey, like we want to do A, B, C, and D. And we're like, that makes total sense. We've literally built this out-of-the-box solution for e-commerce. Yeah. And then we tell them we have over 100 intents with a voice solution. And they're like, yeah, but is it going to be unique to us? And then we show them, we're like, well, do people, what's the number one reason why people call? And they're like, well, we don't, we don't have data on that. We don't, we don't collect data on that. Well, I, okay, well, we can help get you the analytics on that. So turn it on for a little bit and we'll show you why people call. And we bet you, we bet you that the number one reason why people call is they're asking where their order is. Absolutely. <laughs> and then, and then the second reason is they want to return an order. The third yeah. reason is they want to cancel an order. Both is you when's see, it coming? Yeah. And when's it coming? And there are these common inquiries that people have when it comes to when they've purchased products. And we have to stop thinking that just because our business is unique and we want to provide a unique experience for them, that yeah. the reason why people are calling is unique. It is not. It is the same stuff. And yeah. when we standardize that, we can build a foundation to where in your article, you call them wow moments and making them yeah. amazing experiences. You can create those wow moments and you can create those amazing experiences, which can amplify those, those situations and you know make them even better. So, yeah. So, um, the, again, the, the scenario you're describing, I've been through so many times and, um, I, I don't know if there's a scientific proof around it, but even before sentiment analysis, you know, we, we can tell you every keyword that customers use in way before that, like over a decade ago, I would get into a role and I would get. I'd sit with contact center agents. I'd get them in a room. I'd have a beer with them. What are the reasons customers call you or email you or message you or chat you, whatever channel it was. And we'd end up with, um, I do do whiteboarding. Oh my God, I'm one of those after all. But we'd get every <laughs> single contact reason on, on a board, a wall. Okay, yeah, when's my order coming? Okay. And, and we realized, okay, we can now group them. So customer says, um, uh, I want to change my delivery address. Um, I'm not going to be in. Can I leave it with a neighbor? Okay, so it's it's not when's my order coming. It's can I do something about my order that's coming? So that's one primary category. Or um, where where the hell is my order? Ah, is is it late or not? There's two different scenarios. And we would literally create always, there's nearly always, it's a strange law in every role, there's never more than six to eight primary reasons a customer wants to contact you. Is it about an order you've placed, an order you'd like to place, in order you'd like to return, you know, in that simple scenario. And then you click. So you think about, okay, customers should never have to phone you for as the first channel. If they want to show that we won't stop them. So they should go to the website or the app and be able to sign in and say, um, unless they're a prospect, assuming they're an existing customer, sign in and go to a place called my orders or my quotations, whatever. Okay. Okay. I've got a question about this order. Okay. I click on that. And then you can have a big icon that says, is it a question about delivery day? Is it a question about changing your delivery question about returns, blah, blah, blah. Or, um, how do I use it? Technical support. 
you click on that, we should then be able to give you every piece of information we have about that particular product and that delivery. And that's where still the basics on that. Okay. If you click on about my delivery now, 99% of companies will say, yeah, our delivery timescales are typically three to five working days. Now, as a customer, I click on that delivery. I want you to tell me where the hell it is right now. And when's it coming? So um, and that, and because that doesn't exist, people go in a call center queue and they talk to an agent that says, oh, well, I don't know either. So you have to take everything back to, okay, uh, why, as you said, why do customers need to get in touch with you? And then if you take it back to the missing eye, the intuitive, easy personalizing, when a customer goes to your website or app, it should straight away say, hey, Alex, I can see we told you that delivery would be here today. We're really sorry it's going to be tomorrow, but by the way, his £20 discount or refund off your next order, la, la, la. So, um, you know, we're, I, I, I'm amazed how many companies still think people want a phone. Yeah, of course, of course. If, I'm in a, if I want a phone, let me. But I, I'm, I'm convinced my personal experience and nearly, I don't think, hey, I want to talk to someone on a voice because it's cool. I have to because you don't give me any other option. So... But as to your point, because 75% plus of companies force you to call, that's where the nuggets are as to why they need to reach out to you. So you have to mine that and then reverse engineer everything up to what is your reason for contact. And, and with coming full circle with the AI, the machine learning, you shouldn't have to click on an icon about my order. You should just be able to say, hey, dude, that order I placed last week. Hey, man, I want to order a pair of trainers. If I order them today, will they be here by Thursday? It should be as simple as that. And, um, you know, yep. so... We're so far or even, away. Or even having the AI recommend something that absolutely. And actually, you know, you're like, touching. Yeah, so you're touching on uh, my my last. Um, uh, we won't out of time. I've got. I could talk all day about. It. So, customer <laughs> experience. So right at the start, I said I'm customer service experience. To me, the the growth of the phrase customer experience has ruined customer service. We now have all these. Hey, CX is everything. Yeah, it's everything. But I, I. I Based on my experience and my my instinct, customer experience is two distinctly different things. There's brand and marketing experience. Show me your advertising. Show me your products. Personalize your emails to me. When I'm browsing, pop up an offer. Even the, the packaging, the, the way you, you ship things to me, all that is brand and marketing experience. And there's customer service experience. And customer service experience is a question or need I have at any life cycle stage that I want to ask across the channel I want to. And I want to choose self-service or agent. And that second one is where customer experience is a car crash now. And that's because we've created these chief customer officer roles in the last decade and filled them with marketeers who are great at brand and marketing experience. They don't have a clue about contact centers, about AI, about CRM, about... Uh. So, um, you know, I forgot what the point I was making was, but customer experience is not... When people say to me, what do you do? I always say customer service experience. Because to me, saying customer experience is saying, hey, I do business stuff. Yeah, in CX, what do you actually do? Is it brand and marketing, which is, again, a hugely, and I think the brand and marketing has got amazing. It's got better every year. You know, you can virtual reality, mm -hmm. AR, yeah. but whilst the customer service experience is plunging every year. So I really wish, I, I think I put a post uh, maybe yesterday or even today, um, I forget, lose track when I put my posts, that um, in an organization, I, I always am reluctant to take a role where I'm the CX guy, or call me CX if you want, but I have to be at equivalent level of the marketing guy. And too often the marketing guy and you have some poor CX schmuck who just can't get anywhere. So let me own your customer service experience, have a brand and marketing guy, own the brand and marketing. Between us, we will be awesome. And without one, that's why businesses are failing so much, I think. I, I actually completely agree with you. I think that, I mean, I have actually seen this firsthand since 
the economy has dipped quite a bit. We have I have had many conversations with CMOs that are now having to take on that like customer experience role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're having to look at retention rates more than ever before and own the the post-purchased cycle of a customer more than ever. Yeah. And they don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, they don't know what they don't know. Absolutely right. They have no idea. And um, I, I lived it first time. I had one role, maybe over 10 years. Only once have I ever reported into a CMO. And I said, never again. Because he had a, he had two budgets on the table. There was me saying, well, we, need, we don't have a CRM system. They had a huge outsourced contact center. In India, they were one of the first in the UK to do it. And customers would go to the website, be forced to phone a number or email us. The emails went to Mumbai. The phone calls, 80% would go to Delhi, 20% to the UK. I said, we have to make sure the right customers with the right questions don't go to India. Not a racist comment, purely they don't have the skills or the, or the understanding to be able to deal with these complex financial services issues. Here's how we can do it. Invest in CRM, segment, blah, blah, blah. That was my option. The other option was a brand and marketing campaign on the subway saying how awesome we are. He chose option two and I literally write, adios, I quit. Uh, that was after many months of, uh, yeah, oh. But because he didn't know the power of how important it is for a customer to easily ask a question. And but it's all back to that gold. And golden moments aren't always huge, big deals. They can be simple things, can't they? And the more mm -hmm. we get frustrated with a simple thing, the more I'm not going to give you my trust of anything slightly complicated. So it is as simple as that, I think. Simple and I do, I do find it fascinating how there are so many people out there that, that don't want to use phone, right? But, but here's, here's where I might think a little differently about this. So I don't think it's people don't want to use phone. I think it's more that the phone channel and the experience there has been so bad for so long <laughs> yeah, yeah, that they don't want to use it. Yeah. So like, this is something that we're like, again, not trying to plug flip at all. I don't do this ever, Alex, um, it's but okay, it's so relevant that we're trying to like literally change the way people think about the phone channel. And, yeah. and he, here's one reason why. So if I took my flip hat off for a second, <clears throat> here's what I will tell you about the phone channel. And, and in particular, when we're talking about voice, it is the most accessible channel. And when yeah. I say accessible, I'm talking about one out of every four people in this world have a disability that only voice can serve. Absolutely. So, from that perspective oh, sure. alone, it will wow. never go away. And it what will always be one of the most popular channels for that reason. So I do think like back to one of your original points when we were talking about like, you know, don't force somebody down a channel that they, that they can't go down. I think accessibility is something that's not talked about enough when it comes to customer service. And there is a whole big market out there. Absolutely. Big, yeah. big market. And just for me personally, like I've, I've struggled with my vision for my whole life. Um, spent four years of my life completely blind. I needed voice to wow. survive. Right. And I can tell you firsthand that there are millions and millions of people that one can't read. So how is SMS and chat going to work for you? How yeah, is an yeah. FAQ going to work for you? There's, they still have money. Let me, let me reassure you that I actually agree, although you may think, because um, so I, I worked for almost two years for a digital startup bank, which I think will be launching next year, two years later than when they hired me. We've been ready a long time anyway. And I, I, it's a digital bank. And I said, okay, on every page of our, it's, it's like Monza Revolut. There's no physical stores. Every page of our app, I want the customer to be able to press a button and get contextual help. 
So I'm on a money transfer page. I, I want to know where my credit card's coming. Or better still, I'm in a restaurant. I've just pay, tried to pay for dinner. My boss is here. It's declined. This is hugely embarrassing. So you tell us the context, then you choose your channel. And you can 100%, the four channels we said is, okay, request a callback, call us, send a message or chat. I'm not going to send a message or chat. I'm, I might press request a callback, but I don't trust you'll call me back faster than if I phone you now. And that, but that, <laughs> natural, that natural filtration process by the customer, only 5% of people are going to do the inbound call. And aligned to that, what we have is every agent in my contact center must be able to talk to a customer across every channel. And the inbound voice channel is the one top of the queue, obviously priority. So in my model, absolutely any customer that needs to talk to a human being via voice will get an answer quickly because they don't go through to the press one for this, press two. We already know the context <laughs> before. So I absolutely agree. And, and the other thing I've, I've thought of a lot, back to the other point is call center voice. Why can't I leave a voice audio message and send that to you? Like, hey, company X, Y, and Z, my credit card just declined. The boss is here. Please get back to me. I can't, I can't stay on the phone. I'm at the, but message me as soon as you've got a solution. Imagine that. So I, I can't be in the toilet for two minutes whilst you sort out my credit card thing. But, and that's where, the, again, the AI can understand the context. Okay, customer is emotionally distressed. We can just see his credit card got rejected. Ah, it's because the restaurant isn't affiliated to our payment scheme. We can do a workaround for that quickly. Good news, Alex, your, your bill will go through if you try again now. Imagine that. And that is voice again. And you do, shouldn't have 100%. to. 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I wasn't aware of the statistics you mentioned, but of course, um, if I want to call someone, there are still times where you do want to talk to a human being. But I think the people over-egging the pudding that customers want to talk, no, very rarely do I do. But when I need to, that, as yep. you said, needs to be so slick and quick and easy. I don't want a bloody IVR at all. I want you to know why <laughs> I'm probably calling you. Exactly. They want the answers so quick, especially if they phone, right? Exactly. Like that's, that's the channel you have to do it the fastest in. Um, and then we'll talk to the empowered sure. agent who can help them. A hundred percent. And, and, <laughs> And, and by the way, Alex, like I have, I've loved this framework that you've put together, the Epic and the time um, and talking about the context uh, about a conversation. We are at time. And before I let you leave, I always like to ask our guests a couple of questions to kind of just like rapid fire and get some fun in there. Alex, tell us about an amazing experience or a really bad one that just left you like with your jaw, jaw dropped. I'm afraid it's um, the company that used to brand themselves as the planet's most customer-centric company, uh, Big River <laughs> in South America. Um, uh, there, are, there are multiple, but there's one specific example where I ordered, um, I'm in Bahrain, I ordered 10 gifts for my children and my family to be delivered in the UK, guaranteed between 18th and 20th of December. I ordered them first week of December. There, there can't be any later. And... Um, Half of them, literally, uh, I got an email on the 17th of December. They could argue us ahead of the 18th saying, the items you ordered will now be delivered between the 4th and 10th of January. That, that's it. That, that's your, that, you're giving me that information and these are gifts that are hard to find. And uh, my God. And, and then the, um, that, was hard, that alone was enough for me to go ballistic. And, and trust me, I, I wrote to executives behind the scenes and, and made things happen. And that's one of the powers of LinkedIn, to be honest. But the second part was... Um, how uh, well, we delivered them. We left them on your doorstep where, where your kids live. Um, well, that's not there. Um, can you prove that to me? <sighs> You're going to have to phone UPS. or I, It wasn't UPS, FedEx or one of those guys. I'm going to have to contact them. 
And uh, I said, I'm not going to do that. So I contacted executives from UPS FedEx, whichever one it was. Uh, but I realized all these shortcuts I'm taking, I can't believe your poor people are having to say that to me as a customer. Yeah, well, I'm really sorry. And we can't give you any more information. They will now be there in January. You do. If I think about every aspect of my epic framework and time framework, they fail in every single letter. And I was so furious. And I, I said, uh, yeah, Amazon ultimately refunded every item. And they get out of jail is we will refund you. And they even said, we can't refund you till January the 20th. Has to be X days after our, our failure date. Like, and I, I literally now I'm so uh, against Amazon. I, I still use them, of course, because there's times you can't <laughs> avoid it. But I, I think whoever runs, well, Jeff Bezos Creative was amazing. And um, whether it's a coincidence he's left, but I think their customer experience is now shockingly bad. Uh, maybe not if you're in the US, US to US potentially, but for me, I, I order things in the UK, Middle East, and 50% of the time there's an issue of some sort. And it just drives I think me. it's because of exactly what we've been talking about. The infrastructure, they don't, they're, even though they're the, one of the biggest companies in the world and probably have done some of these areas of the experience better than most, like we can admit that. Yeah, yeah. The infrastructure is still a little bit messed up. Like when you think about it, there are so many different vendors that actually go on Amazon to sell their products. And the distribution side of the house and the supply chain side of the house is actually not done through Amazon. But for us as a customer, it looks that way, right? Completely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's where it fails. It's that infrastructure piece that we've talked about on here. Absolutely. And there are are many excuses they can give. You and I work in CX, so we know the reasons. And I I never, ever shout at the customer service agent, even though those that are just so, they have some, they've had some that have been trained to say really bad things lately. Well, I'm sorry, sir, (laughs) if you're going to keep up your tone, I'm going to disconnect you. You think it's okay to let me down for 10? Anyway, but I never take it personally against the the poor people. But um, most consumers don't care. Who's delivering it? I'm Amazon. You're Amazon. You're the one I ordered from. And their lack of ownership is, I hope there's an Amazon competitor coming up that there are some potentially, but, or they turn it around either way. It's just, it's got to change. Completely agree. Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been good fun. Thanks. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. We would love to hear from you also. So if you have any topics that you want us to cover on the show, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, love to cover those topics or if there's a guest that you want to have on the show let us know we'd love to have you thanks